Thank you, Tom. And uh, thank you all for the music this morning, the singing, uh, the beautiful piano music, and the beautiful violin music. What a blessing. Appreciate that so much. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that we have the freedom to gather today. We thank you, Lord, that we can gather around your word. Your word is truth. And Lord, I pray that you would assist me and, and Lord, that we would most of all uh, turn our hearts, turn our attention uh, to your words. We, we need the truth more than ever. We need to buy the truth and sell it not. And uh, Father, we ask uh, for your blessing. We pray for your Holy Spirit to work, to draw us uh, close to you, close to your word here today. And we pray it in Jesus' name, to his glory. Amen. Well, take your Bibles and turn over to Luke chapter 13. We will be there uh, once again this morning. We were there last time. Uh, Last time we uh, were together last week, we were in Luke 13. We were talking about how God is, he's in the storm. He he knows uh, about all of the events of history, all of the events of natural happenings, the weather. We talked about the earthquake in Turkey and Syria, where I believe the numbers in both locations are like 50,000 perished approximately. God knows all of those things. And and really, the, the message uh, from the word in, in Luke 13 was to be ready. All of us need to be ready because we don't know. Our, our life, James says, is but a vapor. It appears for a short time, and then it vanisheth away. And so the the message uh, there was to make sure that we are ready ourselves. And and we're going to look a little bit closer about that readiness in Luke 13, beginning at verse 22, as we look at teachings on salvation, teachings on salvation. So Luke 13 beginning at verse 22. But before we go there, I'd just like to, once again, go back to uh, another challenge that I shared with you last week, and, and that is the challenge of, of uh, our fellowship with the Lord as we walk in fellowship with God, and the importance uh, for us to be people, to be believers who are confessing our sins so that we do not have broken fellowship. And that's so important. I challenged you about how that's made a big difference in my life, something that I really came to grips with about a year ago and have tried to remember and to put into practice. Uh, Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, For whosoever covereth his sins shall not, what? Prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh shall find, what? Mercy. So if we confess uh, our sins, uh, we, we will find the mercy of God. Mercy is when we don't get what we deserve, right? And in our getting mercy, God then what? Prospers us. For whosoever covereth his sin shall not prosper. The Bible says we're sinners, aren't we? First uh, John 1, 9. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to confess. We need to get forgiveness. We we need to get that cleansing just as our physical bodies need the ongoing cleansing, the bathing, and so forth. Our our souls need that as believers. We We need to confess our sins, to walk in fellowship with him. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to have our sins confessed. And I, and I challenge you to, to try to, to be aware of that as you go throughout your day. And you, you, if you practice this, uh, you will be in the position to walk in sweet fellowship with Christ. Uh, Ephesians 5.18, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. You see, if we're filled with any kind of sinful thing in our life, sinful practice, then we can't be filled with the Spirit. 
We, we, we have to discard, we, we have to confess, we have to get rid of the sinful things. God, God saved us, uh, n- not just so that we could, you know, s- you know, just step by step, verily make it through life. No, he saved us that, that we might truly uh, walk in such a way that we might be in fellowship with him and, and so that we might be able to partake of his promises. We talked about the promises found in the Bible for God's children. And so what blocks those promises? And, and we, we said a number, 7,000 promises that God has in the Bible for his people. 7,000. Of course, many of them are for Israel, but many of them are for God's children. Uh, he wants us to live in peace, to walk in peace, to walk in victory. So the, these uh, sinful thoughts, and, and that's where it all begins. Sin begins with our thinking, wrong thinking. That's why we are to guard our hearts with all diligence. Um, so we, and what are they? They're, they're, they're all kinds of wrong thoughts and the, the jealousies that we can have and the anger that we can have. And we simply need to be honest uh, and, and, and call it what it is. It's, it's sin. Our, our covetous thoughts, when we covet, and uh, Satan is throwing his, his fiery darts at us uh, continually, and uh, we, we, we need to confess those when they come. We, we, we might even say, where did that come from? Where did that thought come from? Well, it came from the devil. And uh, he, he's a destroyer, and, and he wants to destroy us. He, he wants to... Uh, not only bring destruction to, to all of us, but he, he wants to bring death. And, and that's how Satan operates. So sin has to be dealt with as believers. Uh, we, the, the Bible says that we can quench the spirit because of our sin. We're, we, we never lose sonship. We're, we're still uh, uh, the sons of, of God, uh, but, but we can break fellowship. And we know that through our earthly families, don't we? We, we know that uh, the relationships can, can have broken fellowship. Not broken sonship, but broken fellowship. So we can quench the spirit. We can grieve the spirit, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. So how do we do that? We confess our sins in an ongoing way. And as I said, it, it, you might find yourself confessing a thought that comes, and uh, you, you might uh, say, you know, I, I'm doing this all the time. Well, that, that's the idea. Confess it immediately, immediately and uh, get restored and, and, and restore the, the, the fellowship that God wants you to have with him, that you can walk in victory. He, he, you know, he doesn't want us to live under the stressors of anger and fear and anxiety and and covetousness and, and lusting or, or whatever it might be. Pride. Pride's the biggest one, isn't it? And uh, no, con- I, I just had a prideful thought. So what do you do? Immediately confess it. So I don't know if any of you tried to put that into practice during the past week, but, but I encourage you to do that. C- confess the sin. Get, have restored fellowship. We're, we're all sinners, First John 1 John 1.8 says, if we say we have no sin, we what? We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We lie if we say we have no sins. But God has provided a way. God wants us to, to live in a prosperous way, doesn't he? He, he doesn't want us to, he, he wants us to, to thrive, not just to survive. How do you think the first martyr, Stephen, as he was being martyred, how do you think he was able to say, uh, Father, forgive them? Father, forgive them. Why? Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, uh, we, we, we can walk in a way that pleases God, brings the blessings to us as individuals. We, we can live above the circumstances of life because the circumstances of life are going to bring hardships. They're going to bring difficulties. The Bible is very clear on that. Yea, and all those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall, shall suffer what? Tribulation, persecutions, difficulties. With many trials and tribulations, ye shall enter into the kingdom of God. So God didn't save us to walk around defeated with our heads down. No, he, he saved us in such a way that we can walk 
above all of these circumstances that come our way, that, that we can have the victory, that we can be filled with the Spirit, because Galatians 5 is very, very clear. You know, we are to be led of the Spirit. We are to live in the Spirit of God. And, and this, is, this is our calling. But we, we have to confess our sins. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will what? Not hear my prayers. If I regard iniquity, if I have sin in my heart, if I have sin in my life, God doesn't hear my prayers. First Peter talks about that. Uh, if we have sin in our lives, that our relationships with, with our spouses are, are then hindered and God does not hear our prayers. So we have to deal with sin. And it's a moment-by-moment, ongoing thing. And uh, our, our thinking is so important. We, our, our thoughts, we immediately we want to confess them so that they don't become words. So that our sinful thought doesn't turn into sinful words and hurtful words or even actions. You think of somebody with an anger problem, what that can lead to. You know, that, that anger, and we all have emotions, don't we? We, we all have emotions and different realms of emotions, but, but uh, we, we can't live according to where those emotions may lead us. And so I just wanted to back up to that uh, point and, and review that a little bit and encourage you uh, to, to walk and, and, and uh, live in, 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 in such a way that you, you take this to heart. You challenge yourself. And like I said, when I started doing this, I'm, I'm going like, I'm confessing sin over 100 times a day. I'm sure maybe even more than 100 times a day. Wow. But, you know, Satan bombards, doesn't he? It's, it's our own flesh. It's Satan, the fiery darts of the devil. We need to put on the whole armor of God that we can stand against the wicked, uh, evil devices, the wiles of the devil. All right, now Luke chapter 13. See, you're getting two sermons again today. You got it last week. Now you're going to review again today on, on that topic. Luke 13, beginning at verse 22. And, and we're going to look here down through verse 30. And uh, just simply uh, five teachings on salvation. So Jesus said in our last message that the message was be ready. Yeah, we're, we're, we're living... Uh, in, in times where anything can happen, life can end at, at any moment. And they said, Lord, well, what about the, that tower that fell on those 18? Uh, were, were they more wicked than the others? And is that why they uh, perished? Is that why they died? And, and Jesus said, no. no we, 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 just, uh, we live in a sin-cursed world. All of us do, don't we? And uh, the, no, the message was an individual message to each person. Now, now be ready. Be ready to, to meet the Lord. Um, Amos, the call of, of Amos, the prophet, the Old Testament, be prepared to meet thy God. And so here in Luke 13, in this passage here today, uh, teachings on salvation from uh, these verses. So we, we pick it up in verse 22, and it says here, And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. So here goes Jesus. He's headed towards Jerusalem. The people are following him. The crowd is around him. And we see in verse 23, then said one unto him. One person, this, this curious person, this one who's got this troubled thought, then said one unto him, he, he, uh, uh, he says, Lord, are there few that be saved? Are there few that be saved? And Jesus answers him. He, th- this one person had this one question. Now, we probably have been like that. We, we probably have had questions. Maybe before we got saved, we, we had you know, ongoing questions in our mind. Uh, about something biblical, something spiritual. I can remember uh, my father-in-law after meeting him, and he, he lived uh, to his early 90s, and, 
And uh, I can remember him a, a number of times. And he, he had a religious background, nice man. He was, he was always very good to me. And, but uh, he, he knew, of course, of me being you know, in ministry and so on. But he, but he, had, uh, he had one question he asked me several times. You get, get real serious. It, it really concerned him. And he'd say, when do you think the Lord's going to come back? When do you think the Lord's going to come back? A number of times, you know, year in and year out. When, when do you think the Lord's going to come back? That, that was a question that was really on his mind. He, he, he had enough information, he had enough knowledge to, to realize uh, that one day the Lord's going to come back. And we kind of wonder about that too, don't we? And... Uh, I used to, you know, I, I was kind of getting used to the question. I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of thinking to myself, I don't know, but I hope it's today. I hope the Lord's coming back today. So that was a lingering question that he had. And, and you know, time went on, years went on. And um, one time we, we had special meetings at our church, and we had an evangelist coming by the name of Mike Pelletier. And uh, so we're going to have meetings Monday through Friday, and we're talking about the week. And um, he said, how about if we do an end times message on Friday night? I said, that sounds good. He said, that, you, that usually will pack them in, he said. That, that'll usually pack the, pack the pews. And uh, my father-in-law is probably in his mid-80s or so about then. And we told him. He said, hey, we said, you ought to come to church Friday night. We got a speaker coming, and he had come different times. He's going to be talking about the end times. And you know what? He showed up, and he sat right about there where Tom's sitting. And he sat in the front uh, right side, and Mike Pelletier preaches on on the return of the Lord and the rapture and the different events of the end times. And and he gave an invitation, and, you know, every, every head bowed, every eye closed, and and uh, he said, he, you know, and, and God knows the hearts. We don't. God does. But he told us afterwards, yeah, there, there was a gentleman, an older gentleman in the front right there. He raised his hand. And he wanted to be saved and at the close of that message. So we were praising the Lord about that. So that was his question. That, that was my father-in-law's question for years. When, when do you think the Lord's coming back? And here this man had a question uh, as well. And as I said, maybe some of us have had questions before we got saved, since we've been saved. And, and uh, once again, he, his question is uh, to, to the Lord. He said unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? How many are going to be saved? Are there few? Are, are, is, is it a lot? Is the, is the way broad? Is, is, it, is it few? Or, or, or what is it? And then verse 23, then... Verse 24, Jesus simply says, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. So the first teaching here on salvation is how many are going to be saved? And Jesus goes on and talks about how to be saved. Are there few that be saved? And Jesus simply says, strive to enter in at the straight gate. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For I say unto you, many will enter in, many will seek to enter in and shall not be able to. So he calls it a straight gate, and he says, Jesus answers and by, by saying, strive to enter in. Now, that's a key word. A person needs to strive to enter in at what he calls a straight or a narrow gate. Strive. Uh, the, the, the word uh, strive here is, is the, the word to focus on. 
It's, it's an athletic term in such a way as the runner running a race and he's striving for the finish line and he's putting all of his effort and his energy into crossing that finish line. He's getting close to that finish line and he knows he's getting close and he's just striving and he's reaching and he's leaning and he's giving all of his energy to cross the finish line and finish the race. Strive. Focus on. Give all of your focus on knowing what the Bible teaches about salvation. I was reading a a post yesterday on Facebook, and this this man said, I, 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 after years, he said, I, I believe I, I now know what it means to be saved, what it means to be a Christian. He said, I, I've gone through the gamut almost. He said, I've, I've gone through the hearing the teaching about, well, you've got to be baptized to, save, to be saved. You, well, and that, he said that included, like, you've got to be baptized you know, when you're a baby, and, and then, no, you, you have to have a profession of faith and be baptized to be saved. And he said, then I heard about, uh, uh, before I, I had to be saved, uh, uh, I wanted to be saved, I, I needed to repent of, repent of all my sins. Well, he said, that was like, uh, I mean, how can I name all my sins, and how can I repent of all my sins first before I can be saved? And he said, I came, came to the realization that, that those are works of righteousness then. I got to do this. I got to be, be baptized. I, I, I got to repent. I got to list. I got to stop this and stop that and stop that. And, and now I can be saved. And, and I think he threw a few other things in there, too. He said, I've gone through the whole, I've, I've heard all of these, all of these teachings. And, and he said, I, 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 I now understand that to be saved, I need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Amen. Believe on him. Believe in him. Amen. And that's the message of salvation. He came to that understanding. He, he was striving he, he was misled and mistaught with some other teachings about what salvation is. And, you know, some people say, well, of course, the old, the old adage is uh, good works, isn't it? And someday my good, I hope I'm, I'm going to heaven. And, and someday I, I, I hope my good will outweigh my bad. And, and this great scale in the sky will, will uh, allow me to be in heaven someday. That, that's another false teaching, of course. And so Jesus, when the question is asked, how many be saved? Jesus says, you strive and you focus on really knowing for sure what salvation is. And we talked a little bit last week about uh, repentance and believing. And and Acts 20.21, the Apostle Paul went from house to house teaching repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, repent simply means to change your mind. You have a change of mind. And if you're going to have a change of mind and believe Jesus as your sin bearer, uh, you know, repentance and changing of mind and believing, they all go, to, to go, they go together. If I'm going to believe in Jesus Christ alone, that means I'm going to change my mind regarding whatever other thoughts I had previous to that. Religious thoughts, atheistic thoughts, or what have you. So the key necessity for salvation is to believe. The Gospel of John is, is a, a gospel that's often recommended, as, as you know, for someone who is striving. They, they have an interest. They're, they're focusing on really wanting to know what the Bible teaches about salvation. The Gospel of John is often recommended, isn't it? Read the Gospel of John. Read from the Gospel of John. Read John chapter 3. Better yet, read the whole book of John. And you know, when, when, we, when you read the book of John, the Gospel of John, you'll find many times in there, believe, believe. John 3.16, believe. Um, and now, I, I don't believe one time the word repent is used in the Gospel of John. You see, when a person truly believes in Jesus Christ as uh, their, their sin bearer and salvation is in, in Christ alone, through faith alone, 
What are you doing? You are changing your mind. It's not in baptism. It's not in good works. It's, it's not in, in uh, giving up all my sins first and then coming to Christ. No, those would be works of righteousness then. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he has saved us, Titus 3.5 says. Ephesians 2.8.9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and then not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So it's believing. Uh, turn over to John 20, verse 31. John 20, verse 31. So Jesus says, strive. Make sure you know what the Bible teaches. Make sure you know that it's by faith alone. In uh, John 20, verse 31, here we see it again. Uh, John 20, verse 31. But these are written... These words are written, these truths are written, that ye might, what? Believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the anointed one. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one of God. He's the Savior that God has sent. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, and that believing ye might have life through his name. We have life through his name. We, we have eternal life through believing in his name, don't we? The Bible's very clear on that. Uh, Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We, we believe in him. And so the word Jesus used here was strive. It's kind of like if all of us, right, in this auditorium right now, if we cleared out the parking lot, got rid of all the cars, and we went out there, we had a straight line. All of us were in a straight line. And the starting line is down there, and that's where we are, and the finish line is up here. And the gun is fired, and off we go. We're striving to the finish line, every one of us. And we're, we're, we're striving to, to, to get to the finish line of eternal life, and at the, at the finish line of eternal life, we see these words, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. We've strived, we've focused. And then after salvation, there, there's another striving, isn't there? For, for living our lives for Christ. And once again, abiding in Christ, being filled with the Spirit, being led of the Spirit, living in the Spirit. And how do we do that? Once again, we, we have to, to be filled with the Spirit. we we got to get rid of sin. We have to confess our sins. As, as they pop into our thoughts, confess it immediately. And, and partake of the promises that God has given forth in his word to us. The, the perfect peace uh, that, that God uh, has for his children. Just a, an example of, of that. Uh, God wants us to have peace. He doesn't want us to live in anxiety and fear and everything else. Um, Isaiah uh, 26, 3, just one of the many promises that we've mentioned. Isaiah 26, 3, beautiful verse. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. God will keep his children in perfect peace whose minds are stayed on him because we trust in him. And so we, we have that second striving, living for Christ. And, and uh, the Apostle Paul, he, he knew, he, he looked forward to, he, well, he said, I have finished my course. I have run my race. I've, he, he was striving. He was running the race. And uh, there, there's that focus and there's that striving that comes that way. So teachings on salvation back in Luke 13 here. Uh, he says unto him, so strive to enter in at the straight gate. It's a, it's a straight gate. The word straight is the word for narrow. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. And the, the, now he's kind of answering that question. Lord, how many? How many will be saved? Uh, the, that's the, the concern that he had. I say unto you, strive to enter in at the straight gate, for, 
for, uh, for uh, I say unto you, will, will seek to enter in and shall not find it. So we are to enter in at the straight gate or the narrow gate. For many will seek to enter in and shall not be able to. You know, the Bible talks about straight is the, broad is the way of destruction and straight is or narrow is the way of eternal life. So this way is being presented. Uh, John fourteen six, Jesus said, I am the way, singular. It's singular. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, Jesus Christ. Believing in Jesus Christ, it's the only way. It's singular. It's, it's specific. It's one gate. It's, it's in John 10, 9, it's one door. The door is Jesus. Jesus says, by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. He says, I am the door. It, it's not an inclusive way. It's, it, you know, not everybody's going to get there through their own way, through their own thinking. Uh, the verse in Proverbs, for there. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the what? Ways of death. So it's not inclusive. It's not diverse. And of course, we're living in a culture that promotes, you know, inclusivity and includes, uh, promotes diversity. And no, the way of salvation is a narrow way. It's one way. So he, Jesus teaches us these truths. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. They've got their own thinking. They've got their own way. They've got their religion. And of course, Jesus lived during the times of, of the Pharisees and, and their false beliefs and teachings and so on. So he certainly knew about that. There, there is one way. Now we come secondly to verses 24 and 25 and we see, okay, there's one way. Secondly, there's a limitation. There's a limitation. Verse 24, uh, as we've looked at that, many shall not be able to. Verse 25, when once the master of the house is risen up and has shut and has shut to the door and ye begin to stand without or outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not. Whence ye are, where, where you're from, whence you are. There's a limitation. In the ancient times at nightfall, the gates to the city were closed. And if the people were outside the gates of the city, they were outside. There was a limitation. Well, there's, there's limitations to salvation as well. What are the limitations? Well, one limitation to salvation, of course, is death, isn't it? Somebody doesn't get saved, they perish, they pass away. Uh, that's a limitation. The door is closed to eternal life, everlasting life with Jesus in, in heaven. Hebrews 9.27 says, And as it is appointed unto man wants to die, but after this, the judgment. Death comes. That's a limitation. Another, uh, and by the way, 2 Corinthians 6.2 says what? Today is the day of salvation. Uh, for, I, for he saith, I have heard thee, in a time accepted. Well, that's, that's, the, that's the unsaved person who's striving, who's seeking. I have heard thee in a time accepted. And in the day of salvation have I uh, succored thee or helped thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. God hears. God hears the, the seeking heart. He knows, he knows those who are striving or focusing uh, in on finding true Bible salvation. What a great God. It, it, the, the message of, of God and Christ, re, really what is it? As we seek him, he blesses. We, we seek him, we seek after him. He has a way of blessing. Uh, his message is what? Come, come to me and, and find rest. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden and I shall give you rest. That's who he is. Uh, he will bless those who seek him. So death is a limitation, though. Some people just put it up. What's another limitation 
to really knowing God's salvation through faith in Jesus? Well, it's, it's the hardened heart. It's, it's a hardening of a heart. Hebrews 4, 7. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. If you hear his voice, harden not your heart. The, the hardened heart is a limitation. Now, God, you know, God in his mercy can, can still overcome the hardened heart if there's a change of heart. But the hardened heart is a tragic, tragic path to go down of having. That door can slam shut. Harden not your heart as they did it in the day of provocation. So the day of death is a, a limitation. The, the door slammed shut. Um, the Apostle Paul said, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Jude talks about pulling some out of the fire, living in a state of a hardened heart. Of course, God's Holy Spirit has to do that work of of convincing, but we're the mouthpiece. We speak the truth in love. We can speak the truth with, with the compassion of Christ, caring for others. We think of Noah's day as Noah was building that ark. And Noah was mocked and he was scoffed at. And 120 years he built the ark and, and then the rains came. And God shut the door. The limitation. There's a limitation. Can you just picture in your mind what it was like for those who were perishing after God shut the door? And the waters and the people in the waters and the sheer terror and the screaming and Noah, Noah, let us in. Noah, open the door. It was too late. Their hardened hearts had brought them condemnation. Well, they were maybe clawing and scratching and everything else on that door, but they would perish. And then verse 26 uh, teaches us a, a truth about salvation. Verse 26 says, Jesus says, Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence. And thou hast taught in our streets. Verse 27, but he shall say, I tell you, I know you not. Whence ye are, where ye are, who ye are, depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. All ye workers of evil. See, God knew their hearts. So verse 26 teaches us that being familiar does not put one in God's family, being familiar. Some people have that false reasoning. They, well, you just look at it. Then shall ye begin to say, we have eaten and drunk in thy presence and, and thou hast taught in our streets. They're leaning on that. They're, they're thinking, being familiar with, with the things of, of Christ and the things of God are, are what will save them one day. Well, Judas was familiar, wasn't he? He certainly was familiar. And, and he would perish, wouldn't he? Even Pilate was familiar with things. And No, um, this truth about salvation is very clear. Being familiar does not put you in the family of God. To be in the family of God, you need to be born again. Jesus talked to Nicodemus, a religious person, and said, except the man be born again, he shall not enter into the kingdom of God. You need a new birth, Nicodemus. You need to be born again. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. This is the way of new life. This is the way of eternal life. Not just being familiar, not just rubbing shoulders, not just having some religious affiliation, not just because mom and dad uh, went to church or uh, had, a, had a, a testimony of faith or grandpa or grandma had a, a testimony of faith, not just because grandpa was a pastor or whatever. No, it's an individual thing. Familiarity won't do it. And then we see in verse 27 and verse 28 <clears throat> that 
resulting, uh, excuse me, rejecting the invitation to come results in damnation. You reject the invitation. The invitation God gives to everyone, whosoever shall believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Come unto me, all you that labor. So rejecting this invitation results in damnation. Verse 27 and 28 together, but he shall say, I tell you, I know you not. Uh, Whence ye are, depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity, evil. You're workers of evil. With your hearts or with your tongues, you may uh, say certain things, but your, your, uh, your lives and your hearts are hearts of iniquity. They are hearts of evil. In these, uh, there shall be, verse 28, the damnation will come to these. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. Well, there's a lot here. Rejecting the invitation results in damnation. Jesus said there's going to be weeping. You're workers of evil. You know, it's similar to Matthew 7 where, where uh, they, they said, but Lord, did we not do this? And did we not cast out demons? And, and he's going to say, what? Depart from me. I never knew you. Very similar. So what's there going to be for these? There's going to be weeping. The weeping is that of extreme sadness. They're workers of iniquity. They didn't have the trust. They didn't, put their belief. they didn't humble themselves and put their belief in Jesus Christ as their own redeemer. If Christ died for our sins, that means he died for my sins. They never came to that realization. They never came to that uh, conviction that they themselves were sinners and needed a redeemer. So there's going to be weeping, extreme sadness, the gnashing of teeth. What does that mean? You know, it's just it's just a horrific time for them in judgment in hell. Gnashing of teeth is is extreme anger and bitterness that they're having and blaming others, probably not blaming themselves, I mean, the, the extreme anger and bitterness of, of blame uh, because there they are in hell. The, this is the activity that's taking place in hell. Extreme anger, the gnashing of teeth, the bitterness, just the uh, total, total horrific anguish and hatred that they are in, the blaming. Maybe they're blaming themselves. I, I don't know. But here, here they are, the gnashing of teeth. Well, once again, Proverbs fourteen twelve. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. They did it their, their own way. They did life their own way. I, I, I don't need to be born again. I, I don't need to humble myself. And we see as well, now they're on the outside looking in. Notice that in verse 28. Gnashing of teeth. When ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. They're, they're on the outside. They're looking in and they're in total anguish. They're in total weeping and gnashing of teeth. God doesn't want anyone to, to die and perish and go to hell. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance, that change of mind. But, but this is what it's going to be. So Jesus teaches on salvation. Looking from the, here they are, looking from, from the outside, they're looking to the inside. And then verses 29 and 30, as we come to a close, and they shall... And they shall come. Now, th- this is the multitudes of the redeemed. You know, people are getting saved, aren't they? People are still getting saved. We long for the Lord Jesus to come back, but he- he's going to keep, he's, you know, the long-suffering the Lord. What's it mean for lost people? It means salvation. Aren't you thankful for that? 
Aren't you thankful for every person who's getting saved every day up until the time of the Lord's return? And, and this is going to go on. People are still going to be getting saved all around the world until the fullness of the Gentiles is brought in. That word, until. God's going to keep doing his work. He's going to keep doing his saving work. And, and he's going to save people all around the world. And that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to him in repentance. But here's a, the, Jesus gives us a glimpse here of those who are saved. Lord, how many? The question was, how, how many are saved? Well, look at verse 29. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. There's a seat reserved for the believers. They're going to have a seat. They will be able to sit down in the kingdom of God. This is somewhat similar to the book of Revelation. It talks about all the multitudes of every tongue and of every tribe that are going to be a part of the redeemed. So there will be people, for sure. There will be multitudes, for sure, who will be saved. But it's a narrow way. It, it's not inclusive. It's not everybody's idea of how people can get to heaven. It's one way. It's the Jesus way. He's the Savior. He's the Redeemer. And then verse 30, closing verse here. This is, this is an interesting verse, too. He says, and behold, behold, take note here, he says, uh, behold, kind of a surprising word. Behold, he says, there are last which shall be first. And there are first which shall be last. Whoa, what's he mean by that? The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Well, there's you know several different meetings, according to commentators, when it's talking about there. Well, the, the first always during Christ's time, the first upon the face of the earth, walking around promoting themselves were who? The Pharisees, right? The religious people. Sadducees, Pharisees. They were the first. They were the holy men, so-called, of the day. Well, those first are going to be last. Because... They missed it. And, and the, the last, the lowly ones, the, the ones who maybe nobody thought of or heard of, they're going to be the first. They're going to be, they're, they're, they're going to be right there with the, with the Lord Jesus. They, they came as humble, broken sinners calling upon the name of Jesus Christ to be their redeemers the last will be first maybe even at the judgment seat of Christ some of these dear saints who quietly served are, are, are going to have the most crowns perhaps or these lowly missionaries or pastors that hardly anybody knew about they didn't have a big name but they humbly served out of a heart of love and gratitude to the Savior and they may be first there sitting at the feet of the Savior in recognition. We don't know, but that's an interesting saying, isn't it? You see, God looks at the hearts. God knows all of us. And so teachings on salvation, Jesus gave it to them, and it all started with that question. How many? How many are going to be saved? And Jesus gives us some good information here. Strive. Make sure your beliefs about eternal life, about salvation, about how a person is a Christian, make sure they are the Bible teachings of what we find in the scriptures. Not your own beliefs, not, not man's beliefs, not religion's beliefs, because there's so much out there. And, and we, we, need the, we need the scriptures, we need the truth. The local church is to be what? The pillar and the ground of the truth. And we, and we need it more now than we've ever needed it. And now we're drifting off into this age, more so at warp speed almost, of artificial intelligence, AI. You heard of that? AI, artificial intelligence. 
Well, now we don't even know what we're getting as far as information, what, what the basis of this information is. And uh, well, one person calls artificial uh, uh, intelligence, he calls it uh, arrogant ignorance. Arrogant ignorance. Because what does artificial intelligence do? It leaves out the soul of the man, of the person, the soul, and, and the, the, the uh, recognition of God and the spirit of God and the spirit of man needing to, to, to dwell together. It leaves that out. Once again, our soul, our mind, our intellect, our thinking, our mind, uh, our soul's made up of our mind, our emotions, and our will. And oftentimes, where do we live the most time in? As, as people. What bombards us? Things that are emotional, right? Things of emotion is, is what, you know, entertainments. It's, 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 it's looking for, to feed our emotions and to twist our emotions and to manipulate our emotions. But we need to be people of, of intellect and knowledge. And where do we get that from? We get it from the scriptures. And artificial intelligence that's out there, the AI programs, <laughs> The, the, they're, they're written by, by man who rejects God for the most part. So we, we, need it, we need this more than ever, the truths of salvation, teachings on salvation. Father, we thank you for this time together around your word. I thank you for uh, this church. I thank you, Lord, for Pastor Howell and, and uh, Tammy and, and all, just all the precious souls that are here in Madison. Lord, I pray your blessing upon them. I, I pray, Father, that, uh, that each of us would strive and, and pursue after, uh, Lord, following and not deviating from the teachings of the scriptures on what eternal life is. And, and then, Lord, that we would have that, that burden for others, that we would pray for others who are lost, and that, that we would go to others, that, that we would desire not just to, to feed our emotions upon this earth, but to, to grow, to, to challenge our, our intellect, to challenge our thinking, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. Let me ask this question as we close here today. Uh, how many people would say, I, I, I've been challenged to, to pursue after the, the teachings of the gospel and, and myself and to, to make that known and, and to share that uh, with, with, with others? Maybe even another person that, that uh, I have in mind at this very moment. Anybody at all? So God has challenged me today. Along this lines, okay, praise, praise God for that. And if, of course, if there be any here without Christ, you've, you've got your own opinions on what it means to be a Christian, I, I pray that you would simply uh, humble yourself and, and seek after God's way uh, for salvation, to put your belief and trust in the finished work of Christ on your behalf. He died for your sins and not for yours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Anybody at all here this morning say, that's me. I've, I've had wrong thinking about salvation. God is working in my heart. Anybody with an upraised hand? God has been working. So, Lord, we thank you for your goodness, for your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.